Welcome to the Dance Centre podcast. I am your host, Claire French, and I'm joining you from the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, also known as Vancouver, Canada. I'll be talking to dancers, choreographers and other members of the dance world here on the West Coast to find out more about their creative work and practices and to discuss what it means to us to be dance professionals today. Thanks for joining us. I'm joined today by Dana Ashby, who is a dance artist, performer and choreographer known for her radical works at the edge of dance and performance. She's only just in her 30s and has already won multiple awards, including the Prix de la Danse de Montréal and the New York Dance and Performance Award, or Bessie. She's already had two retrospectives of her work, one in Montpellier, France, and the second in Montreal, Canada. I read a little bit of what Dana said about that on her website, which everybody can see at danaashby.com, which talks so lovely about it being a retrospective of her work from her 20s. And so I know there's so much more to come and so many more (laughs) retrospectives of her decades to come. She is currently recognized as one of the most promising young choreographers of the next generation. And her work has been presented over 100 times in 15 countries, 33 different cities, including uh, the Venice Biennale. Dana was born in Nanaimo, BC and is of Métis and Dutch heritage. She has lived in Montreal for a while and is now back in BC, now based in BC, and she's talking with me from Gabriola Island, I believe. Is that correct, yes. Dana? Yes. Welcome, Thank welcome. You. And so um, I would love to start by talking with you about being back in BC and also what you are planning and what um, is happening this year with the Dance Centre. If we start there, um, what I'm excited about for you and for us is that the work that you'll be presenting in March at the Dance Centre is a group work. And you are known for your solos and duets um, at this point. As far as the kind of general understanding of your work, our like idea of your artistic vision has been in relation to your solos and duets. Although I do believe that you have been working with lots of different groups as well, maybe as part of your teaching. Um, But could you talk a little bit about the piece that you'll be presenting in March? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the piece that I'm going to be presenting in March at the Dance Centre is technically my first group piece. It's it's true, I've worked, I've taught with groups and I've done a few commissions for theatres or group pieces, but this is the first kind of original produced by myself, group piece and it's funny because it's been very very difficult with the pandemic it's been probably one of the most difficult pieces I mean every piece has a different history but this piece has been particularly difficult to 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 present to to tour to create and this will be the Canadian premiere actually in March we've presented the work in Europe we haven't presented it in in Canada so that's really really exciting and also so close to my home and where i was born and at the dance center where i started kind of my dance career and everything that's wonderful could you could you talk a bit about that as well like your journey is like in- incredible and your journeys many journeys and I do appreciate what you're saying about how difficult it is or m- more complicated it is to put on a group work not only in this time of the pandemic but in general and I think there's uh, I applaud you for taking that on and also it it makes sense to me that you would and that your artistic vision and voice and relationships would need to grow. And that's one way that they can grow, right? That the work you present is more, you know, kind of there are more people 
involved in the actual work that an audience sees. And I'm sure there are many people involved with your work, even as a solo and a duet that makes the work happen, of course. But so the collaboration part is not new, but then you say being able to do it and premiere it at home or in uh, premiere it in Canada is, is I think quite remarkable and quite um, a lovely way of, is a lovely way for you this year to kind of also kind of celebrate being back in BC. Mm -hmm. But what does it mean? Are you bringing dancers from elsewhere to BC, to your home in this instance? Yeah, yeah. Well, I could explain a little bit about how the piece ended up premiering during the pandemic because I ended up being offered an opportunity to teach a workshop in Mexico in 2020 and at the, at the same time, you know, we had already been quite a few months in the pandemic and I decided to go to take the opportunity because for me, it felt like it was important that I didn't stop what I, what I knew how to do because I sacrificed a lot of things in my life to build this career. And this career was really what I had to lean on. So I went and we, we did all the, the kind of sanitary protocols. Everyone tested negative and then kind of signed a contract, a mutual agreement to be in a bubble. And I decided to actually finish my group piece while I was down there and bring that cast, which was, wow, a really amazing cast just of people. But I had um, three Indigenous dancers. I had three Mexican dancers, two Venezuelan dancers two of African descendants, one Cuban, everything. It was just like, whoa. And it was just like fiery and, and just so much energy and passion in the room. And, and we, we made it, we made it to the premiere. So, so now it's a funny thing because I think we all have to be sensitive and also practical because being a dancer, being a performer, you know, the work is so sensitive and we become attached to it as performers. But also there's a lot of logistics and different embassies and different visas and the tours and different PCRs and protocols in every country. So I've had to be really, really flexible with that and my dancers as well that are working with me. So for for this March version, I actually think it's going to be a mixture of a couple from Vancouver, one from Montreal, and the rest from Mexico. So we'll have the original cast, but I think uh, we just need to have a couple from Vancouver, a couple locals. So it's going to be a bit of a mix. And I think it's it's great because one thing about being home would be to reconnect with the people here and the dancers and, and start working with the community again. And another is to bring that amazing cast that made this piece possible with me in Mexico during crazy times. You know, they are the core <laughs> of the work as well. And yeah, there's a little bit of Montreal still lingering too. Like I'm still touring a lot of the pieces I created in Montreal and working with some of those dancers too. So It'll be a little mishy-mash and honestly, um, just based on sort of like practicalities too with travel and all that. And you would know, I mean, I think what's wonderful about that too is that you will have, you know, a lot of dancers to be able to draw from, you know, once this pandemic does calm down or becomes the endemic, everybody's saying it will be. And then, you know, in you know, as seems to be the way with you, you, you do get to present your work again and you do get to tour it. And then having those two casts, if you like, or maybe even more, being able to, to do that and you having built that community around your work, I think is going to be, is going to stand the test of time and will help mm -hmm. you, um, you know, kind of 
keep the work going. I think that's really wonderful. And it's lovely for people here in, in Vancouver that they, you know, get to maybe be part of your work and, and definitely mm-hmm. see it. So that's great. But I do want to talk a little bit about the pandemic and how well I think you have handled it and how rigorous you have had to be, obviously, as you say, to kind of keep your career going and to take opportunities, to see things as opportunities at a time when for a lot of people it seemed like there was no opportunity and everything has been removed. It's a very positive message I think you have. And I think the way that you went about it, the rigor that you had to employ is is really good. But I think, you know, some people could really benefit from hearing how you managed <laughs> it. Like, how did you do it? How did you, how did it, how did this happen? <laughs> how did you make it happen? Yeah. To be honest with you, I, I always loved and was really passionate about my work. Always, always. Like, there was no reason behind what I was doing except that I was just doing it like I I didn't really think about why I was creating work I was just creating work and it was very important to me and to be realistic too I mean I was very unhappy but around the year 2020 I was successful I'd won a lot of rewards but I'd sacrificed friendships um, relationships having children all kinds of things I was very stressed constantly jet-lagged touring a lot and couldn't stop because I love what I do and also was unhappy. And so that was hard to really take a step back from the busyness. And that pandemic came kind of as a gift because I had been already kind of making plans about how I would take a little break. And the year 2020 was the premiere of my group piece at the FTA and then a big tour in places like Paris and Brussels and, and Norway. And and then I had this retrospective, which wasn't really called a retrospective. It was more like a focus in the way that they framed it in the festival in Montpellier. But that I would have all these pieces that I created in my 20s, all five of them, the, the pieces I made, mostly solos, presented in one festival. It kind of, for me, said, okay, and then that's really marking the end. And that's like the beginning of your 30s and, and time to research other things. Go traveling, figure out where you want to move to next, take some time in your body. And then even though that was planned, the pandemic came and interrupted my career anyways. So I just moved straight back to BC when I realized that I was going to be isolating myself in a tiny apartment in a city. I said I need to be near my parents. And at that time, the pandemic very, very scary because it was unknown to the entire world. And so I thought I I needed to be back where my family was. So I moved to BC at that moment. Everything was canceled. And I found a lot of peace and joy just because I finally had a moment to congratulate myself on my hard work or just take a little break and say, wow, I did this and this and this. And I think my my unhappiness came from a lack of taking time to acknowledge my hard work. It was always next, the next thing, the next project. And I was slowly over time being, I was disconnected from what I was doing in the present because I had to do so much planning and working towards the next creations. So even if I was in a residency creating a piece, I would be somewhat exhausted and disconnected because I was planning the other pieces. So this momentum was, you know, just too fast. So yeah, and then and then it was for me the very first years of my career 
I didn't make money. I didn't actually present work. I was making work. I was writing in journals. I was watching work. I was taking classes, but I wasn't, I wasn't touring. I wasn't presenting. I wasn't getting my grants. I wasn't receiving income. I wasn't doing interviews. So I saw that maybe as a blessing because I thought that maybe my first few pieces were strong because I devoted so much time and energy to them. And mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, I struggled financially as an artist in the beginning, and that has it, its things, you know, like health and stress. But I wasn't unhappy. I was very happy. I was very happy to have all day to explore my body. I was very happy to have all day to write in a journal or plan something in my head that that would become something later. So I saw 2020 as just being that, as just going back to that mode. It didn't mean my career was over. It didn't mean I was no longer an artist. It didn't, it just meant I was in a different mode of being an artist, which I'd lived already before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's wonderful because I think it's it, it's okay. It's okay to have stages and phases and give yourself time. But what's not okay is to feel like the burnout or the fatigue, it becomes a kind of grief for either a lifestyle or for something that you either wished for or no longer want or something. And, and that no longer want doesn't have to be a permanent thing either. It can just be at this moment. This is not, you know, so I think it's really healthy, especially when we're, when we're talking about, and as, you know, Didier Morelli said about your work, that it's very much about these kind of quite intense embodied narratives and tears, you know, watching your work is, it's quite intense and it, and it's, Oh, it's raw, but it's it's refined. And so there's a lot of give. There's a lot of giving in that. Right? There's a lot of giving of you as an artist and the people that you work with and giving that level of embodiment of, for an audience to be able to connect to it. So it's exhausting, mm-hmm. even mentally, you know, like on every level, that kind of work, it takes everything you have mm-hmm. in a way to almost so that you can distill it. Mm-hmm so that you're not giving everything to an audience, you know, and so, but you still have to go through that process. So it makes sense that you would, you would need to take a little bit of time and as well to reinvest in your body, reinvest in your thinking and your state, you know, your state of thinking, your mindset Mm -hmm. for the next set of work as well, because the last thing you want is to be trapped by this Mm -hmm. work and this be, you know, what, I mean, it'd be incredible. You have a body of work that would be incredible. This is Dana Ashby's work. Here it is. This is what you created. You could stop now, but I'm very excited for you about what taking this time means, you know, for your next Mm -hmm. phase. I often think about how painters and musicians have composers have a lot of in and they may be in the canon in the kind of you know very western canon but there's lots of writing about how they go through phases in their careers and how their styles really change and their topics of interest really train change and almost contradictory sometimes Mm -hmm. and I think that's okay Mm -hmm. you know that's what art is that's what we we do we are responding to our world you know both our past and our ancestry and also how we envision a future right so I think but like you said, it's very important that we actually engage with that from this place of being present. Mm-hmm. And if you feel you can't be present, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's one part of the triangle that's kind of wide open mm-hmm. for, you know, you know, it's just wide open to the world for whatever it throws. So I think that's really interesting. I'm really glad you're taking mm-hmm. this time. Although having said that, you are still creating, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are still working. I'm interviewing you right now. You haven't exactly stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you like to say a little bit about your relationship with the 
Dance Center or with presenters in Vancouver? Because I know the Push Festival presented you in 2018 mm-hmm. for your, your, was it your solo, it, Paul? Did you dance no, it No, I didn't perform that. Somebody else? No, no. no. Well, that, that's the thing about my work is that I actually don't perform it anymore at all. No. I plan to jump into this group piece. Yeah. I plan to jump into this group piece just because of the pandemic. And also because I've been trying to get back into my body. But that was something that I discovered in Montreal. I had been creating my first piece with myself inside of it. And I actually had a dream that I was not dancing in it and that it was a duet. And then that decision really, I realized I loved directing. I loved creating on other dancers and I loved, I mean, I... I usually am the taking all the decisions about the lighting and the sonography and the space and everything. So I really like having control of the whole <laughs> design, the whole room, the whole piece, the, the <laughs> smell, the energy, the light, everything. So yeah. And yeah, that's it. Like the, the work I do and even the workshops I teach is all about being present and it's slowing down and it's mm-hmm. sinking deep into the body and the languages of the body. And so, yeah, for me to, not be present to be always running was was not not good the dance center when did i i started because i i moved from nanaimo to vancouver when i was 16 to pursue my my little dance career (laughs) i moved out of home (laughs) so i could take dance classes because i was always going over on the weekends to harbor dance center and my mom was really really supportive of my dreams and she knew that i was really independent and just wanted to be taking dance classes in the city all the time so i moved to vancouver and i think the dance center was more because i studied ballet i had an eating disorder and i i had to quit that program so i i went into contemporary dance with modus operandi i think that's when i started Mm -hmm. yeah they were encouraging us to see contemporary dance shows so i started volunteering at the dance center and watching Mm -hmm. performances and taking part in the events and the talks and yeah i think the first piece i saw at the dance center was lee soufei the whole beast yeah i saw that piece oh yes yeah yeah And I remember, yeah, I remember being down talking to you often at the dance center, taking classes there. And it's interesting because I think you are a person who's been through quite a lot. You know, I would would say for your age, but I don't want to be (laughs) ageist around those things. It's very different for everybody, like life situations. But I do think that there is something quite telling in your work that because it's imbued with a lot of um, experience or experiential knowledge um, that is a, is also about the body and and the extreme I think can come from comes from your knowing you know from your body knowing extremes which is you know I think that's something when you were saying about wanting to be in control of you know all of the elements and the the vision and all of those things I think there's it seems to me, particularly for your work, that it's important because those because it's your work is not affected, but it's effective. And I think a lot of the time, because there's a lot of um, nudity in the works, you know, there, and maybe that's a, the thing you will always do, but maybe you won't. And maybe this is the period of time that that's what we're seeing. But sometimes that can feel quite almost like it's superimposed onto an idea, onto another idea in in dance. And I feel with your work, it's absolutely integral to how the work is to be experienced by an audience and by the performers. So 
I think there's something really wonderful in that and, and the, that singularity that comes in that is is so important. So how the light hits mm-hmm. the body, how the sound, you know, kind of is connected to the body and to the movements of the body at any one moment almost feels like it's important that you have a way of kind of being able to steward that. And I can imagine that if you were dancing that, it would be very difficult yeah. to be able to make sure that the artistic or the mise-en-scene, whatever you want to call it, the gestalt aspect of your work would, you know, there'd be no way for you to really know that that was being handled and experienced by an audience in that present moment mm-hmm. of performing, mm-hmm. right? So I feel I feel you there with this having to be on the outside yeah. of it because it is like you want to touch all aspects, right? So that an audience can listen and feel all aspects. Yeah. In a way. So yeah. yeah, really get that from your work. I think that's why it, the interest in the work is there because it's so the clarity of the work is so mm-hmm. poignant. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think when when because we're dance, we're somatic people, dancers, and and we feel so much. And I feel like in order to bridge the connection between the internal and the external experiences and have them connecting in that present moment of the performance, it's important that the creator is not inside herself feeling from the inside, but she's connected to the inside as much as she is the outside. And I think that's where I really found my way of working because I'm very emotional and I can get really lost inside of my, my feelings inside. Right. And Mm -hmm. so just to step outside, Mm -hmm. see the big picture, reorganize things a little bit and then have an external gaze as much as an internal gaze, which I have luckily from my interpreters, you know, this kind of conversation that we're able to manage both stories from the inside and from the outside and then create the connections in the room. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think there is something about the, the artifice of the performance environment that needs that mm-hmm. attention, but is also it, ne- it also needs to be discussed, you know, from the, those two perspectives, like you said, the performer perspective and the outside perspective. So while you're setting up a kind of artificial environment, there are these, like, like you said, the two stories that are happening inside it that are very real. So I think that's uh, I think that's quite quite wonderful. I think you handle all of that very well, and we'll continue to handle that. Very well. <laughs> so let's see. With your experience of traveling and creating these works, how do you think this pandemic is going to affect us long term? This is partly also to do with the fact that I know that your teaching contract or your teaching gig that you had in New York has had to be cancelled or at least postponed for the mm-hmm. time being are, are most of your contracts postponed as opposed to cancelled or how how do you see that affecting either your most immediate plans or like do you think what do you think the shift is going to be I mean obviously you can only talk about it for you but the mm-hmm. shift in planning or like mm-hmm. will it change your attention on on plans to tour or what kind, what scale of project you might work on? Or, I mean, does it make you want to have a daily practice at home that you do? No. <laughs> and not, yeah. Well, like, what was interesting was that most of my contracts in 2020 were international. So I, yeah. I, was, I did have some shows canceled in Canada, in Quebec, and Toronto residency, and things that were immediately canceled. Or postponed. I mean, I think that's the interesting thing is that um, different countries have dealt with the virus in different ways and different arts communities have Mm -hmm. dealt with the virus in different ways. 
I was in Brussels when the pandemic happened and I was, you know, urged to go home before the borders shut down. And I really was against the way that I thought. I thought I'm just going to stay in isolation and wait for my plane ticket and I'm not going to be stranded. And the fear started to dissipate for me because I I'd had an opportunity to go to Germany when Germany was open and Germany was everyone enters the room with a mask and then they remove their mask. And and then we had shows in France, which is everyone can sit together, but they must keep their mask on. So you start to go into different countries and realize that everyone is handling it in a different way. And what protocol for one place is different for another place. So I really learned to be flexible and really had to like manage my own stress, my own boundaries and the boundaries and stress of other people that I was working with. So I think it was just a matter of checking in, like, does everyone feel safe? Do you feel like we need to sanitize the room? You know, like, do we need, do, do we feel comfortable putting our faces on the floor at this moment in time while we're rehearsing? And how safe I felt. And I felt like I was very, very comfortable after the first year because I didn't get sick. My crew and I were constantly testing negative. We were getting PCRs every time we switched cities. And I felt like I was really managing it well. And I was really happy to quarantine for 14 days when I got home and be alone. And I was okay with sacrificing that for 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 the opportunity to go and travel. And um, I've always been a person who's been really happy being alone. So that's just, you know, (laughs) but the stress, the stressful thing is just the thing that's really hard to deal with is the yes, no, maybe yes, no, maybe and and waiting to the last minute. We waited to the last minute to have an answer from the French embassy in order to travel to do the shows in Paris and Montpellier. And we had to purchase the tickets a day before we left and we had to get PCRs that same morning and we all had to be ready as a group to go and commit and that can be kind of hard if you have children if you have other commitments other contracts like keeping it like it just becomes an overwhelming job of balancing your schedule but my friend said it's like being a surfer and riding the waves and sometimes they hit you in the face and sometimes you ride on top of them and I kind of kept that is my my model you know like new york uh right now is a difficult place to be going to work to present work but i'm leaving next week to go to teach and present work in costa rica because the situation in the two countries Mm -hmm. was very different now if i feel safe and my performer feels safe and all the students obviously feel safe that are signing up for the workshop then i feel like it's it's a go it's 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 good. I've been trying to postpone yeah. a lot, but I would say my my touring schedule is mostly postponed shows with new ones in between, like new tours. But I think I think yeah. of like Vancouver was postponed. Like we were going to do this yeah. this group piece at the dance center at the VIDF festival. When was it? Was it 2020? I think it was March 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was March 2021. Yeah. And then they had to do live stream, pretty much live stream only at the time. So I can see where that would be. I think it's, no, it's, it's also important to mention that every, I mean, a lot of, there's been a lot of different point of views and this is really polarized people as well. But for example, the presenters that I had contracts with in Europe, a few of them were like, if we don't do it now, we're going to create such a backlog and art must live on. And we, we are here to present theater to present art that's what we do or not this or that or this or that and so their opinion was get to europe if you can come do the show 
because we won't present it in three years. We're presenting it now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the perspectives mm -hmm. I think over in Canada has been a little different. It's been more postpone, we'll postpone again and we'll postpone again and we'll live stream if we can. Whereas I think there it's been a little, you know, we can't create this backlog. Like art must live on, like we must stay in the present moment. And that's just what I felt. And I felt coming up against that too is, is how do I honor all my contracts? You know, when you have mm -hmm. contracts with different, different countries and different ways of dealing with this virus. And I just said, okay, Dana, I feel safe. So go with the flow, you know, go with the flow, ride the waves. Yeah. They might crash on top of you and you might be stuck somewhere, but whatever, you know, <laughs> Then you deal with that, yeah. right? Yeah, that's the thing. And like, I, I haven't been anywhere since 2019 because I came back from Montreal in December of 2019 and then was had lots of intention of going to different places in 2020 and then didn't go to any of them and took a job at the dance center for a year. So I was actually here and I was actually working full time doing an administrative job when everybody around me lost their contract. So I didn't have work. But on that side, on the kind of admin side, I was part of teams of people who were having to postpone and have a plan B and C and D and be ready to communicate that and get everything, you know, just it was happening on the admin side, obviously, you know, and the producing side and all of those things and trying to find alternatives and having lots and lots and lots of conversations mm -hmm. and the waiting game and rotating who was going to listen for them, you know, who was going to inform everybody of the announcements to just make sure that somebody was on top of those announcements to be able to impart that information to the hundreds of people who were waiting for that information to come from places like the dance center. And so it was it was kind of an interesting twist for me at that time because I just started there so it, it was quite different I wasn't suddenly on the artist side quite as much as usual however the amount of paperwork you've had to do <laughs> the amount of testing you've had to do the amount of corralling the amount of like check-ins all of those things I mean when we're talking about those things and writing reports and filling out application forms and all those things we're all doing mm -hmm. the same work right so it's uh yeah it's amazing it's amazing you were one of the choreographers who was chosen for the Yolanda Ferris choreographers mm -hmm. program at the dance center and that was uh 2017 to 2018 mm -hmm. I believe did you did you go to your, were you connected to people in Europe for that project or how did that project work I think it was you Vanessa and Justine maybe. yeah was, yeah was that right? we had yeah. a few different residency residencies in in Vancouver and in Europe and in Montreal mm -hmm. so we attended mm -hmm. dance in Vancouver in Vancouver during the off FTA festivals in Montreal. And then we went mm -hmm. to um, Holland, Italy. Yeah. Yeah. We had opportunities to see shows, have meetings with presenters in those countries and some residencies, residency time, creative time. Yeah. And did you spend that residency time working on your body or with like, did you have a dancers with you or how did that work for you? particularly in the residencies. Do you I'm remember? I'm trying to remember. It's a while ago now. I have to. <laughs> it's several countries well, ago. It's several. It's almost like a decade ago. For it was you. also, <laughs> Based on your yeah, schedule. it was also a really, it was the year that everything started flowing and rolling really smoothly for me. And then I had a really terrible bike accident and oh, no. uh, the surgery was done wrong. So I was having migraines and uh, oh, it was um, like, I still have, problems and pain from that accident so it, I think some of my memories is weird um, also because it was broken up it was a long 
a long residency and it's broken up by my tours that were in between. But I remember us being mm -hmm. in Bossano del Grappa in Italy and watching a lot of shows. And I remember us being in Den Bosch in Holland as well, going to lots of meetings and shows. I remember being really drugged up on painkillers when it was November for dance in Vancouver. I just had the surgery. Oh. Yeah, oh. I feel bad that I don't remember. I think I did my residency in Montreal. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Because I was living in Montreal oh, and Vanessa sense. and Justine were working in Vancouver. So my residency was in, in Montreal. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. That's what, how that happened. Good. So there are some big issues in your work, like around and around your kind of ancestry, if you like, and the role of in indigenous identity, feminism in your work, all of those. There, there are so many kind of themes or like world themes, if you like, or like uh, that move into into a little bit of politics around um, ideas in your work. And I just wonder if there's anything you'd like to say about that. And then also. I think it would be nice to kind of, we've talked a little bit about the pressures and the rewards of, of the things that you've experienced, but just what where you feel you would like your career to go. And, and you mentioned writing. And so one of the reasons why I'm kind of kind of pushing these things together a little bit and in my thinking is how much does the role of this idea of indigenous identity of feminist um, thinking, if you like, or a feminist perspective influence your work and this could be answered in so many different ways because it could just be that it's who you mm -hmm. are and it's, you know, a point of view you have mm -hmm. because it is absolutely embedded in your idea of embodiment. But it might also be that there are other things at play there in your work and that you're actually engaging with questions in order to create work. So I just wonder if you want to speak to that mm -hmm. a little bit or anything around those those points of view or those perspectives, just for your worldview mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think it even relates to what we were talking about before, about internal and external for the work, because I think mm -hmm. as someone who works with my body and the body to create or you know speak language of movement or performance, dance, I I had to I had to question that what I was creating because I was creating a lot of pain and violence and symbols and images in my body that when I looked at them from the outside I said okay well what is this about more than just my own feelings or my own pain this has to be about something bigger and I think that's mm -hmm. where I always attach bigger stories and questions to it so on one hand, when I'm creating, it's really coming from an internal place. And sometimes I don't even know what it's about until throughout the process that I have these kinds of meditations that I do in my body. And then I put it into writing. And then once I feel like mm -hmm. the writing and the connection with my body and the movement and the images I have is clear, I will present it to the interpreters. From that external point, I'll be able to really connect it over time to something bigger and maybe that's where the political things come into play because I want it to be about something that touches a lot of people or speaks of something important and not just my story but yeah I lived a lot of experiences and I think I was a young woman who moved out when she was 16 to pursue dance and yeah. I had an eating disorder, which connected me to my body in a different way at a young age to learn to be going to have gone through puberty when I had started dance with younger dancers who hadn't just start looking at myself in the mirror 
at such a young age and learn dance and be in that environment. And then my first professional job, I was actually an apprentice for Raven Spirit Dance mm-hmm. in Vancouver. And Michelle Olson was the the choreographer and she's very much feminist and she's creating contemporary indigenous mm-hmm. dance work. So that was my mm-hmm. first experience making, creating, performing contemporary work was in an indigenous environment with women who were very, very, I would say, embodied and empowered and much older than me. So that also had a big influence on my work. That's why my first piece I wanted to, I wanted to talk about violence against women and Indigenous women. And and I wanted to touch on these really serious political subjects at such a young age, not, not knowing, not knowing what I was doing, not knowing what I was creating. I didn't know what it meant to create a choreography. I drove everyone nuts, especially the technical people, because I didn't know you couldn't put like the audience in the middle of the stage. And there's, you know, but I'm saying I just at a very young age, I was coming from that place of, of that environment of contemporary dance with a lot of passion, a lot of drive and willingness to do it. And I think as piece by piece went on, it was always coming from my perspective my insides, my internal meditations, my internal landscape, what was coming from me as a young woman who had been in some dangerous situations, who had lived a violent, many violent years, like years of um, lots of, lots of things I had to overcome in my childhood, in my teenagehood, in my 20s. And Mm -hmm. so I think my perspective was, yeah, I was very angry about a lot of things that were happening in the world and the way things had been unjust in the past. And I wanted to talk about it, but my way of talking about it was through a woman's body. So that's where it landed. And I, I think now it's funny because I'm quite happy. I'm quite peaceful. I have a very, I don't know, I don't attract the kind of things I did to myself before I but it's heavy still I mean it, it's still heavy for me I think I'm an empath and I think that I can translate it kind of that stuff through dance still even though I'm I think that this dance this creation this choreography having been acknowledged publicly and internationally for what I do has really transformed me and transformed my self-esteem my belief in myself everything and um yeah I mean it's such an incredible journey and I just I I can't help but think about how you know your relationship with dance is kind of an everything relationship right going from this kind of what you could see as maybe a destructive situation you were in but also you recognizing that and seeking more positive you know like your passion for it was so strong that you you didn't stay with that you you sought out more positive relationships with dance and so you know it's quite wonderful that you were able to find raven spirit at the time you did and be so supported by such strong leaders such confident uh, you know kind of people who had such confidence in how they were integrating them the politics and ancestry with art making i think it's quite amazing and then of course for you at that age it's going to be about your questions and as you said you know, your young female body it has to be you know, that's the curiosity, the questioning, the answers, mm-hmm. you know, it's all happening in that mm-hmm. space. So, uh, yeah, that's quite, it's really quite moving. I mean, we could have a whole other interview just on those kinds of things, although I'm feeling a little bit of the weight with you 
of what that might mean <laughs> to kind of go back there and discuss just those things. But I just think it would, I think in the way that you would talk about that and could talk about that with people would be quite enlightening and helpful mm -hmm. and help people find empowerment for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think like moving forward with my work, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm out of that, like must produce, must produce another work, must produce another work, because I think there's so much that those first pieces, these pieces we just saw retrospectives of, or, you know, that performing those pieces in places like, like Latin America, in Mexico, and teaching my workshops there, and how much freedom and liberation that the women get from these kinds of workshops that I was teaching just for women is amazing. So I feel like I want to keep working on the same, the same things, not necessarily having to reinvent my work and create a bigger and better and stage for an even bigger stage and bigger lights and better lights. And because I feel like that's the direction I was being pushed, you know, it's just like, but I feel like, no, there's so much to talk about there's so many different layers to unravel in this kind of work and to share it with different communities. I think that's a good place to actually just, I mean, you're already saying it, but I, I noticed on your website, one of the next works that are one of the works, maybe it's an ongoing thing that you have, is this idea of having a, a piece that can be performed by local communities that when you I mean, I, I have the same love of travel as you. And so to be able to work with the local communities on, on a piece of yours and work closely with mm -hmm. them and have them experience this allows for those differences in expression mm -hmm. and differences of approach to a process mm -hmm. even, or like the kinds of women that you'll be working with to imbue the work with that in each place mm -hmm. you go. And so I hope that works yeah. for you. I hope you are able to do that. And that fits with what you were just saying about being able to deal with the same issues, but not necessarily have the same outcomes and not necessarily, you know, glitterize it or make it and overproduce mm -hmm. it, but actually have the experiences be with the with the people that are in the work. Yeah. With you. Yeah. And then allow for what that means. You know, maybe some of them are more glitzy than others. And maybe, yeah. you know, maybe that. Happens. Yeah, I think it's just depending on where it's you like are. It's like a deepening. Yeah. It's like a rooting. It's it's not becoming less attainable or like more up towards the top of something that's like further away it's actually just getting closer to something and making it more real and I hope mm -hmm. that the transformation from this pandemic I mean it's got us more addicted to our computers and Amazon and not hugging people but I hope that people are able to discover how important dance and being in tune with your body and what a privilege knowing your body is and and um, reading a book and all these things, I really hope that we, yeah, yeah the kind of tactile, yeah. like physical kind of connection, yeah. right? And how that the slightest little change, the brush against somebody's skin, is like a can can change <laughs> you, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's lovely. Yeah. It's really nice. Well. Thank you so much for taking the time, Damon. It's so lovely to talk to you. And I really look forward to your work in March. Now, if anything happens, is this the kind of thing that we, you wouldn't want to be live streamed, that you would, you need to have an audience in the space? It seems like that to me, but where, where do you stand on that? I have to say that my work is very, very energetic. It's, it's about mm -hmm. the feeling of the space and the, present moment in time and the transformations that happen 
I'm not against live streaming. We did a little live stream at the beginning of the pandemic. It's mm-hmm. just a, a, it's a little different, especially with the nudity and the, the energy. Mm-hmm. But hey, yay, let's just do the show. <laughs> I hope, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you, where will you be rehearsing? Will you be in Vancouver or are you, where are you rehearsing? Yeah. Like at the dance center? Yeah. yeah, I haven't exactly decided where we're rehearsing. Because right now I'm just working on the cast and so far it looks like I've got the cast put together. So it's just deciding if we're going to meet on Gabriola, go to Vancouver or meet in Vancouver and then present there. Mm-hmm. Because, um, yeah, yeah, my my the group that I toured with last year is like my family. Like we created this very, very, very close and supportive group so actually having them visit me in my home would be really nice too and we can have a studio on Gabriola or we could go to Vancouver so we'll see that's just mm-hmm. logistics yeah, yeah. like a pack. <laughs> this amazing intimate pack um, pack of wolves moving through yeah. the, <laughs> moving through the BC forest yeah <laughs> well I can't wait to see you in Vancouver soon I know it'd be so lovely, and of course we'll, um, you know, the listenership here. We this podcast is going out in February, before the show, <laughs> and so there will have been more information or more information around about about the show itself and about the ideas in the show, and you'll have been interviewed by several people at that point. But it's just really lovely to take this time now and to catch you in this uh, in this moment and um, to start twenty twenty two off this yeah. way um talking with you so yeah. thank you so much thank you thank you so <laughs> much thank you thank you so much for listening we would love for you to subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcasts as this will help other listeners find us and help us to grow our dance audience we'll be back next month In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at The Dance Centre, Twitter at Dance Centre, and Instagram at The Dance Centre BC. And if you'd like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Just go to our website at thedancecentre.ca, where you'll find extensive information about our upcoming programmes and events. The music for The Dance Centre podcast was composed by James B. Maxwell. Always a pleasure to connect with you through dance. Until next time.